Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Cloud and Clear by SADA. I am Michael Ames, Managing Director of Vertical Markets. Really excited today to introduce you to Greg Church of Formedica, president of Formedica, um, one of our exciting customers in the area of healthcare technology, and uh, give you a chance to get to know him, his company, their product, and the innovations that they're doing a little bit more. Uh, Greg, say hello to our audience. Hey, Michael, and thank you for the invite today. We're really excited to be part of today's discussion. I wanted to give um, give folks who are listening a little bit of background on on sort of the the segment that your company is in, because people who don't come from the healthcare industry might not have as as uh, clear of an understanding about how innovation within healthcare actually works. We we all experience this. We go to the hospital and there's machines that beep and there's computers and there's reports and there's things that come in our email and, and, and all kinds of really interesting and innovative things happening all around us. But what a lot of people don't understand is that while hospital and, and healthcare experiences with doctors and nurses and other providers more broadly are where we interact with those innovations, that's not actually where they're happening. In fact, for a lot of years now, most of the really exciting new things that are happening in, hair, in healthcare are happening within technology companies like Formedica. And this is a really important part of the work that SADA does in, in helping these companies utilize Google Cloud and other technologies in order to make this happen. And Formedica is doing some really interesting things that you may not see, but that are absolutely a part of making healthcare better. So that's sort of the stage. Um, and uh, and we want to we want to we want to dive in. So within that area of healthcare innovation and technology, Greg Formedica is doing some really um, interesting things, filling a gap for companies that need to manage and work with healthcare data. Can you tell us what that gap is, what the platform does, and, and who's using it? We all are consumers of healthcare in some way or another, and uh, many of what we've experienced in healthcare is you go to the doctor, you sit there. The doctor comes in, you're a little nervous, and you know there's a, a process of being diagnosed and a lot of questions. What happens after that is kind of what is new and, and different because today we're capturing more of that visit in, in some kind of a computer, and we call it electronic medical records. And that becomes the beginning of that digital transformation of that conversation to actually what's going to happen next. And that data becomes so critical because if I'm coming in today to the emergency room and I've got a, a situation going on, it's not just that person that I'm seeing initially that's going to benefit from the data. It's going to be everyone else downstream. It's going to be the nurses. It's going to be other practitioners that may get pulled into that situation. What happens in healthcare today, if we're not careful about how information is put in to those systems it can throw everything off from patient safety. It throws off the risk to the provider. If for some reason the information's collected is misinterpreted or keyed in wrong, it can be misdiagnosed um, on a patient. It could be the wrong medications that get prescribed. So the gap we're trying to fill in is we've got all these different technologies out there and we've got all these different systems. We're trying to figure out a better way to standardize how information goes in accurately each time. So my information is always accurate. Everything about me from a demographic, from an identity perspective is correct. And then as my clinical information is being brought in and aggregated into my record without any uncertainty or doubt, 
It's correct. So the physician, the surgeon, the nurse, anybody that needs to have access to that information is actually pulling up the right information on Greg Church each time. And we don't think that's a problem in America. We think we figured this out because we're so sophisticated with all of our technologies. It's a big problem because many of the systems out there today were designed, you know, with not real time in mind. Um, things were not really designed to move data, you know, at the at the rate of speed with light, you know, being behind it. And what we're trying to do is now is to fill in where there's technology gaps with ba- better ways to capture information as it's going in so we can rely on better information on the back end. So that's really our focus, what we're trying to do as a company. I can tell you from personal experience that um, that this this problem is not yet solved in America. Just a week and a half ago, so we're recording this in early December, a week and a half ago, my um, 14-year-old son went out on Thanksgiving morning for a game of turkey bowl with a bunch of guys out at the high school football field and did not get injured there. But later that weekend, he and some friends were playing the game that we all used to play when we were five years old in the living room, keep the balloon from touching the floor, just like jumping around. And that was when he broke his foot, not in the turkey bowl, but in the balloon game. In the balloon game. In the balloon game, he broke his foot. And so at 1030, 11 at night, we were on our way over to to the ER. And so I was there in the emergency room just a local standalone ER, not part of the hospital that we usually have gone to when these emergencies have arisen, uh, because I've got multiple kids. It certainly hasn't been the first time. Um, And and they gave me a stack of forms to fill out. It was late at night. I've got Mm -hmm. a kid next to me who's in in shock. You're tired. Yeah, I'm tired, tired, right? Uh, Mother is next to me. She's worried. There's a lot going on. And I filled these forms out on paper, on a clipboard with a ballpoint pen, and I would not put any money on the information that I put in there being accurate. And yet somebody is going to take that paper and enter it into a system somewhere. And there's nothing in that that can deterministically or reliably ensure that that data is accurate or connect it to any of the other um, records to do with my with my kids' healthcare, right? And I even imagine the next step of that. So you're not maybe fully, you know, aware of all the information you're putting down, and then the person receiving that, if they're under pressure because there's many patients being admitted at the same time or being seen, and they're going through it, you know, too quickly, they may be missing information or transposing information, right? They may be mismatching what's actually being written on the clipboard. And and that's that's where this problem really starts, is at the beginning of registration. And imagine a day where you can actually key in the information and there's a way for it to be validated to actually say that really is Michael Ames, that really is his date of birth, that really is his phone number. And it's going through and it's actually verifying with much more precision and accuracy. And believe it or not, that day is here, you guys. It's called referential matching. Referential matching is a tool that we should be using at the point of registration in every facility in America. Because now as you're keying information, there's really great data out there that's available, commercially available, without invading privacy of the patient that allows you to actually quickly validate, just like the USPS does. You go in and you order food on one of the food apps, it's going to ask you to verify that mailing address. Is this really the address that you're putting in? Yes, click on it. Guess what? We can do that now with addresses and phone numbers, first names, last names, even date of births. And that should be a standard 
that we put in place at the front end. So every time we're capturing new information on a patient, it's being validated. And then Michael doesn't have to worry if his son's been injured and he's tired. He knows that the information collected on his son is correct. That's interesting to me. So so dig into a little bit on this, the referential validation a little bit. Uh, I can understand how it would be fairly straightforward to do something like allow me to enter an address and to confirm that it is a valid address. Are you saying that it should be possible to go further and actually confirm that it's my address? Yeah. So think about in the financial industry, you know, um, our information that's collected from our banks all the way through our credit cards, all the way through the different financial transactions through mortgages, they have ways to ensure that the information is really you. They know based on a previous address, they know based on a previous employer, they know based on a lot of different scenarios. And as they're now credentialing you, they're validating just more than your mailing address. They're really validating everything about you, Michael, and making sure that you're not being mixed up with somebody that's another Michael Ames, but has a different date of birth. Those systems are out there today, and one of the things that we're doing as part of our match process, we call it master person index process, is you're trusting the data that comes in from the source because that's all you get. But in those cases, when there's too much similarity between names and you have a common name, uh, Ames is a little bit less common, but you might have a more common name like Michael Smith lots of Michael Smiths out there, and there might be lots of Michael Smiths with the same date of birth. But what now you need to look at is what's different about the phone number? What's different about um, certain things that make that record attribute more unique? And in those edge cases where they're so similar, because you may live in the same city, you may live you know, in the same county, that address is not enough. You've got to really go out and look for other valid information. And that's what referential does. It looks for information that that's being aggregated and collected from other financial sources, the credit bureaus, the DMVs, and it lets you narrow really in. And then it says, yep, without any uncertainty or doubt, this is a different person and here's why. And guess what? It's not just saying it's a different person. Now let's figure out what was different about the record that validated that it is a different person and bring that forward. So now we actually know going forward with that individual, that new attribute is what validated that it was a different match on that person. So those those are things that today do exist already. That's interesting. And I have had that experience of, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to open a checking account or something like that. And suddenly the web browser is asking me, hey, which one of these three mm-hmm. cars did yeah. you own in 2001? Yeah. And there it is, this car that I'd forgotten that I'd even owned in 2001. And it's a little bit unsettling, right? It's a little bit unsettling that, wait, how how did you know that that was going to be me and to make all those connections? But the fact is, that doesn't keep me from proceeding with doing the thing that I need to do, Correct. right? Yeah. And I think, you know, the financial industry is a great comparison. People are concerned about exposing their healthcare information. Probably if there's anything they're more concerned about, though, it's exposing information about their finances, their financial history. And it seems like we can get comfortable with it in the financial world. We ought to, as consumers, be able to get comfortable with it in the healthcare world. So so what's blocking us? What is it that is keeping us from having a much more robust 
set of, of identity and, and data verification capabilities when it comes to healthcare? I think it's it's the concern of who's going to have access to what information and how is it going to be used, right? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be rated differently based on a healthcare condition? Am I going to be considered not a viable candidate, you know, um, because I have a medical condition that today may be under control, but it may prevent me from being superior, you know, to somebody who doesn't have the condition. I think it's just the fear of what's going to happen to my data when somebody else has access to it. But again, I think we've gotten used to and use the financial industry. We rely on our banks and our financial institutions to get our transactions right. And we're not forgiving if it's wrong, right? We're calling that bank saying, how did you screw up? How did you deduct too much money? Or, you know, why was there, you know, a problem with my transaction? We don't think anything of it, right? And we expect it to happen perfectly every time. The technology is not our limitation in healthcare. We've got the right tools. We've got the right um, systems out there. We know that every industry has some kind of an identifier. Think about when you ship a package, there's always a shipping ID, right? There's always a number that keeps going with that package to ensure that it got from point A to point B. Our, one of our challenges is we don't have a universal patient ID in this country. So we don't really have a way to keep track of Michael as he's moving around, as he changes health plans, as he changes providers, and we yet create a new ID every time, right? So there we start creating even more issues. And then when there is a problem, we lose as a consumer, you know, whether we're in health plan A or health plan B, we start to lose faith that, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm being tracked wrong or I'm, I'm not being packaged right with my information because now I've moved from a health plan who knows nothing about me. I've been given a new ID and there's a potential that the information about me from the last health plan or my last provider isn't going to get synced up. That's not a technology problem, guys. That's the fact that we haven't figured out how we're going to agree on creating an ID that everyone's going to use and we're going to be able to administer it privately, securely, you know, all the things that people are worried about, patient privacy. But if we can figure out how to do that and get all the participants of healthcare to, to use the same ID, we start to build confidence. We start to build much more assurance that the information about us is now being captured correctly. It's being transported or transmitted correctly from point A to point B. But I think right now consumer you know, is concerned that they can't keep track of me because there isn't a way to keep track of me. There's not an identifier to do that. Well, it occurs to me that some of the problem is that as consumers, as healthcare consumers, we maybe have too low of expectations for the yeah. health experience because what you just described so as an adult, I've lived in three different states. I've had you know family in, in there. We've, we've received healthcare in a lot of different places. The idea that when I move from one state to another uh, and change banks, that I have to like start over on building my credit history, or that all of my financial information and past is just somehow lost and gone, and then I better do all of this again, I wouldn't accept that as a consumer. Mm -hmm. And sure. yet even going from one hospital to a clinic across town, 
we fully accept that we're going to have to probably start again, that things are going to be fuzzy, that stuff might get lost. We'll get the, we'll get the get that clipboard out again, Michael, and yeah, start filling think, in that information again. Later, we were at the podiatrist and I had another clipboard filling yeah. out the same information. And I, I accepted that. And some of it is because as somebody who works in this area, I, I know that's just how it is. But as a consumer, we accept that in healthcare where perhaps we shouldn't, like maybe we should be demanding, demanding more um, and, uh, and, and enabling the folks who have the power to make these changes to start doing some of the things that you're talking about. That, that is such an important statement you just made. I mean, I think now consumers are starting to realize that they need to have more of a voice in their healthcare you know, data, right? And so on October 6th was the beginning of that. We call it liberation day of your data, right? Now, you know, you cannot keep a patient from having access to their information and they can request that information in a digital format and that information has to be provided to them. And that's great news, but it's it's great and bad news at the same time. You've got now data that's now sh- to be shared in a digital format with the patient, but the repositories where the data is now resides there's not any consistency around data quality and data management. And you've got to believe, and I'm not a physician, but if I was a physician, I'd be a little nervous right now because if I don't have my own data management, data governance, data processes in place to ensure that my team, my people registering my patients are doing it with full accuracy, anything that I'm collecting, clinical, demographic, non-clinical, you know, administrative data, whatever you want to call it, is now having to be shared. You can't hold it back. That's called data blocking. You got to be able to share it. And now all of a sudden the consumer is getting an, you know, just an influx of their medical record data and they're trying to make sense of it. But they're assuming that their doctors and their doctor's offices are being responsible custodians of that data. And that's that's the problem we got to fix and we got to correct. And I think now where we as technology companies and what we're doing, we're doing great work to help standardize that and to normalize data and to match data, but we've got to even take it a notch up. We've got to get standardization at the national level and it has to filter down into all these different systems and everyone's got to be held accountable to what they do. And if we do that, then when we aggregate into a patient health record, create a longitudinal record, we're gonna have reliable data, we're not going to put patients at risk. We're not going to put the providers at risk. And now we can actually do more with the data. We can actually use data to improve healthcare and to improve patient outcomes. And now we can empower the patients if they're a cancer patient and they want to participate in a study, they should be able to do that. And they should be able to do that with full confidence that the data that they're going to bring to the situation or to that opportunity is valid. So it's a big, it's a big charter. But again, if we can focus in at the top and how data comes in and we can really normalize and standardize those processes, then it becomes a real opportunity. And then things like AI and machine learning and artificial intelligence we keep hearing about, those become real opportunities to actually make healthcare better. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like back up a little bit, go back to just creating you know, standards of best practices, getting everyone to agree get a universal ID figured out how we're going to normalize the identification on everybody that's out there in the healthcare system, then everything else starts to flow nicely. And then we can do more with more with the data, put a lot more action behind the data. I love the conversation here about all the things that we hope and dream. 
might happen in the future. <laughs> but but also part of what I think Formedica is doing that's so important is you're recognizing that that's not where we are now. And, and you're providing specific technical and service capabilities to help resolve a lot of issues in this space. But one that I think a lot of us can get our head around is just this idea of patient matching, making sure that the clinic knows that I'm the same person that was seen in the ER. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you're doing a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting things, and we don't want you to give away any intellectual property. But can you dive in a little bit into any of the magic inside the Formedica platform and how you're actually making that happen? We're proud to say this because part of our journey to do this and to do it with much more accuracy and at scale was, you know, looking at how to leverage newer technologies. Um, our MPI was built with a different, you know, framework. Um, a lot of legacy MPIs, and, and think about a master person index. It's not new, um, Michael, you know that. I mean, it's been around for decades. What happened is most of healthcare was on paper. There wasn't digital transformation happening. And there wasn't a need to really say, well, I got to make sure Michael's record's right and it's the right information because I'm going to share it with, you know, another practice and I'm going to do it electronically. Didn't exist. Now today, because of meaningful use and the adoption of electronic health records, and we are really pushing to strive for less paper, now this big influx of data is being moved but how do you do that and do it at scale where you do it in real time? You can't say, well, Michael's record's coming through. I got to stop everything. I got to go offline. You know, I got to validate. And then if it's right, I'm going to bring it back up. And now I'm going to move the data. That's No one's going to tolerate that. that that's just, that's not going to work. So when we built our MPI, we built it in mind with it's going to be, it has to be scalable. It has to be real time. It's got to be data where you can bring in new data sets, new sources, you don't have to go offline, take the engine offline. You should be able to keep everything running so those transactions go through. That was how the engine was built, and that's why we're different. Then the next piece was you got to make sure that this thing never goes offline. And this was one of our real kind of aha moments that if we're hosting our own technology in our own data centers, it's not going to work, right? Because there's going to be a situation where we're going to go down, we're going to go offline, and that's when we realized we probably need to move to the cloud. And the cloud was going to be a strategic part of what we had to have for our customers. We had to do it reliably. We had to meet HIPAA requirements, you know, the whole pa patient privacy issue. But we had to make sure that we don't go down. We can't have these systems go offline. And we started looking at cloud providers. And as we did, we wanted to make sure we were aligning with somebody that had vision for healthcare understood the importance of healthcare. They understood the, the sensitivity or sensitivity around data privacy. And, you know, and I'll say it on this call, we ended up going with Google, um, the Google Cloud Platform, because we really thought they were going down the right direction. You know, um, as an organization, healthcare was really becoming a discipline for them. And then we met SADA, right? We met our partner to really help us make that transition from being in our own data centers, you know, where we had to make sure we had reliable resources, we had to make sure we had throughput and uptime. Um, we took that pressure off of us as an organization. We got moved gracefully over to GCP. We did it without any downtime. We had no hiccups. It was awesome. Our customers really didn't even know we made that transition over. And then today we're leveraging so many of the newer technologies that are coming online and we're leveraging more what is out there that makes our stack much more 
um, elastic and scalable. It makes us much more competitive in the way we can price and make that. The thing we don't want to do is limit the access to technology because of price, right? We want to make sure it's affordable. So whether you're a small doctor's office, you know, up to a multi-hospital system, you got to get everyone to be able to participate. And I think the way we're doing it, the way we're leveraging the relationship with SADA and Google allows us to really look at how to do that with economies of scale. And I think we just continue to advance as technology advances, so does the platform. We get better, um, we get faster, um, we get much more economical. And at the end of the day, our focus is to make sure whatever we do from a technology perspective, we never jeopardize patient safety, ever. The patient is our ultimate focus and what we do, and as we advance what we're doing from a technology software platform perspective, Believe it or not, it's that always is mine is making sure whatever transaction we have to deliver, we deliver it on time and we deliver it with the most accuracy for the best result. And that's really why, you know, from a technology perspective, we we're staying current. We're monitoring the transition, you know, as things are moving into um, more advanced technologies. We've got partners like Sada behind us, you know, helping us, you know, keep our finger and pulse, you know, where it should be. And the outcome of what we're delivering is incredible technology that delivers the outcome that we're expecting, um, you know, in healthcare. Thank you for all that. And thank you for the nice uh, plugs for SADA. We, we enjoy the work with Formatic and we enjoy engaging with you in a, at a number of levels as your GCP reseller and helping to advise on, on architecture and design and also more strategically, how do we help you to get connected with others in our network of, of technology companies and healthcare companies. Um, we love the kinds of relationships where we all grow and succeed together. And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about working with with Formatica. So thank you for that. Um, I think you also highlighted a couple of things that are just, just really crucial, which is one of the things that is so hard that makes healthcare uniquely difficult is, although every industry has this issue of, of we, we need our systems to be up and we need them to be scalable and we also need them to be cheap, there really aren't very many industries where your failure at one of those actually directly affects patient lives, right? And we could think mm -hmm. of a scenario in this data quality example that we're talking about um, where let's imagine that, you know, so my son goes into the, into the clinic, there's going to be some treatment there for his broken foot. His name, his record gets mismatched with mm -hmm. somebody else's patient yeah. record, right? And mm -hmm. that patient has certain allergies or problems or things according to their record that treatments that they should not receive because of other conditions that aren't my sons, he therefore then may fail to get the kind of treatment that he should get Correct. because of limitations from somebody else's health that didn't apply to him and all because of a very technical issue around matching patient records. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a thing yeah. that can happen. And so, so your focus on like, you think, well, you know, it's a master patient index. What is the concern with patient safety, that's actually a very real concern. And, and uh, your focus on that is important. And it is one of the things that makes innovation inside of healthcare so hard. The concern that if we do this differently, if we disrupt here, at the end of the day, we could do something and actually do somebody harm 
which is, of course, the opposite of what we're trying to do in the health care industry. So you're taking on a lot there. And, and we, we, we appreciate that. And we, we appreciate the focus and, uh, and energy that you're putting into it. Um, and also, you know, the recognition that, that cloud technologies are totally agreed on Google Cloud and the focus on healthcare, compliance, uptime, all of those things that matter. Um, are super super important. So I think I think we can see how what you're doing there can connect uh, to the healthcare mission. Thank you. And, and and again, you know, people ask, you know, what what's next, and where do you guys go next with your company? And I, I think as we get this organization of data and data quality in check, and we're consistent about it, the data value, you know, data for health, I call it, you know, is really so important because now. Um, we want better treatment. We want better medications. We want better therapies. And what's not um, to be used is the data, right, today. The data is there, but is it usable, reliable enough to start making those kind of informed decisions? And we think it is. And if we do it better and get more support, you know, on and the approach of how we bring data in and how we man- manage that data quality, I think it's a tremendous opportunity to see, you know, more with AI and more around preventative and prediction of medicine and, and, and um, you know, how to control, you know, somebody from going into a tertiary condition. If we look at retrospective data as well as prospective data and lab data is an incredible part of that, right? Lab is what everyone relies on. And if we get it right, um, what we do next with it and what we can create is value around the data makes healthcare move better, move faster. And everyone, patient thrives, right? Their lives are healthier. Um, it's easier to get people into treatment when you know their condition relates to this problem. And we've seen it repeatedly. So we now know how to address it. I love the fact that if we get it right, we actually do change healthcare and we make healthcare better. So that's that's what we strive for. I mean, I've seen that on the other side. It's easy to think that master patient index is primarily around the operational flows right. and things like that. But I, I I have worked in and with companies whose job is to look at those patient records and then do the scientific analysis to figure yeah. out how can we treat people better, which medicines actually work in these contexts. When do we know it's safe to send somebody home from the hospital or not? And for the most part, those patient records that they're using to analyze are like Swiss cheese that's a lot more holes than cheese because of missing information that we know is out there but couldn't be properly linked or integrated. So you're working on solving an important operational problem for hospitals and clinics who are treating patients, labs, connecting these records. The secondary effect of that is feeding into our ability to actually innovate new healthcare treatments yeah, and improve the way that care is delivered. We've got a ways to go. Um, somebody asked me the other day, how big is the problem yet in America? And one of the things that we do is we study data and we look at different data sets from all different types of organizations. And surprisingly enough, um, duplication averages can be yet somewhere between 10 to 20% in the vi- various silos that are out there. So if you just think about that for a moment, you know, 20% means one in five patients if they're coming into an ER could potentially be misidentified, which means they're going to be treated wrong. There could be a, a bad outcome. So no other industry that I know of in America would allow one in five chances of having data be wrong. 
And that's what we we're staying focused on that as the opportunity. And if we get that down to where it's almost perfected, right? We get almost to hundred percent. I think that's where things get exciting in healthcare. And it ensures that everyone, everyone out there who should be accurately identified with the right information, we, we solve that problem. And then things become much more um, interesting in improving the outcomes of healthcare. So population health, social determinants of health, health equity, all that become more of a reality. Well, Greg, thank you. I, I uh, really appreciate you taking time with us here today, digging in, in deep on the vision, on the, the problem from the big picture perspective, and then some of the nuts and bolts on how Formedica is going about um, solving that, you know, on behalf of all of us who are participants in the healthcare system, we appreciate <laughs> yep. your organization and others like you who are working on solving some of these tricky problems for healthcare and uh, and making it better, making it better for all of us. Um, so thank you. And uh, well, thank uh, you, Michael. I really appreciate the time today. I wish we could go longer, but I know it's a limited I, amount of time. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but don't worry, this won't be this won't be our last <laughs> one. Um, we are excited to keep our uh, listeners and other SADA customers and folks in our network up to date on Formedica's progress as you continue to work on these problems. Um, a pitch for our listeners out there to, to subscribe and, and rate and keep listening to this podcast for more interesting thought leaders like Greg Church. And uh, until then, uh, be well and be safe. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.